I think it's a stain on LeBron's legacy. That, <laughs> that iconic moment of winning the championship with Cleveland in, in 2016. Yeah. Wow. He is in like the most trash jerseys that yeah. they've ever had in his yeah. entire career. Like I think that taints that championship. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of Burners and Basketball. This week, we're going to do something a little different. But before we talk about that, do not forget to email us if you have anything to say, burnersandbasketball at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Burners and B-Ball, and send us a hot take using the hashtag, hashtag Burner Take uh, if you want it to be featured on the show. So Adam and I have really been boring, you guys, these past seven or so weeks because we have not brought on anyone and we wanted to change that this week um adam why don't you introduce our first official guest yes the first ever guest on the burners and basketball podcast we have sean hyken an nba writer from bleacher report based in portland uh so we'll talk a little bit about the blazers and then what else happened in the nba this week Am I really your first guest? This is a lot of pressure. You are, yes. This is a this is a very big moment in podcast history, and you're a big part of it. It is. It it's is. It's going to go down in history. Be honored. It needed to happen because I actually wanted you to be on last week because I wanted to discuss the Grizzlies and Blazers and everything going down there, but you were not available, so we went ahead and discussed it anyways. Probably not accurately. So now we get well, some different perspective. It, it would have been a very different conversation last week if you wanted yes. me to talk about the Blazers because those two games against Memphis last weekend were the last two five-game losing streak. And it was looking like, you know, they, they slipped into the play-in and it was looking like, okay, their season's probably just over now and then there's going to be all this shake-up in the offseason, which there still might be, by the way. But now yeah. since then... Uh, They've won three in a row to start this road trip. They're playing Boston. To, by, by the time this is out, they will have played Boston, but uh, they're playing Boston tonight. And now it's kind of starting to look like their season might not be dead. I don't know if that's really going to change anything long-term, but it's definitely the, the, the vibe of the team. And I I can't say I like know the vibe of the team the way that I would normally if it weren't a pandemic and we were allowed in locker rooms and stuff, but I right. have been on these Zoom calls and everybody seems a little bit more upbeat when you've had three straight blowout wins as opposed to losing four games in a row by a total yeah. of six points or whatever. Right. Yeah. Y'all really humbled us. Um, now we're the, like you would be laughing at me now last week. I would have been like, huh? I'm not laughing at anybody. <laughs> I just, I just live here. Like there's, I know, there's, I know, I know. I need to like become better at that. Not being, no, so. it's, no, it's okay. I mean, in full disclosure, I am from Portland. I did grow up a diehard Blazers fan when I was a kid, but when you've been, do I've been, this is, I've just probably like eight years or so that I've actually been doing this professionally. Mm -hmm. And when you've been doing it that long and you've been like around guys mm -hmm. and you've been, you know, see kind of how everything works behind the scene, your individual fandom of a team just kind of goes away after a while. So I don't, I can't say I get emotionally invested in whether any team wins or loses anymore, as opposed to like what I like, what I root for now is like whether something is good for me in terms of like if there's a play right. in normal, non if non COVID times, Right. When we're actually allowed to talk to players outside of these Zoom calls. If there's a player that I want to talk to, I need that player's team to win so that they're in a good mood. Right. That's kind of that's kind of the way you the way you approach it. Yeah. I'm Adam, uh, I feel like you have a similar Yeah, experience. so I was just gonna say, like, right as we're recording this, there's a Nets Bucks game going on right now. And I'm rooting yeah. for the Bucks to win just so that the Sixers have a better chance of getting the one seed. And that has nothing to do with the Sixers and more of just me wanting to be <laughs> able to go to go to an Eastern Conference finals and 
you know, if they were to win somehow the NBA finals, uh, I've definitely, are you, are you going to, uh, yeah, game? are you going? To games? Yeah, I've been, I went, I've been to every game, but one when Brad Beal decided to score 60 points in my absence. Um, how's the Sixers media set up? How are, how are they with, with, I mean, how long have you guys had fans there? Cause the Blazers, I believe are the only team in the league that still doesn't have. Fans. Yeah. So the Sixers brought, I know, and it's Sixers, so loud in that arena. The Sixers <laughs> brought fans back after the all-star break. Uh, okay. what they had been doing before then was they just had like 30 different tables for media people in like the first few sections around midcourt and everybody was six feet away from each other and it was fine. Now they have us up in the club section, like with the little club boxes they have above the first level. Uh, it's surprisingly very well done and the Sixers PR is very good. So I'm not surprised they're doing a good job with this, but yeah, I totally get what you mean as far as once you start being around the team, it's hard to like, I'm all like, it's different for me because I'm always going to have some sort of emotional attachment to Joel and B right. like sure. that, like that just is going to be there forever. But, you know, as far as everyone else goes, it's just like, you know, you're there, you're covering the team. Uh, yeah. So I've, I definitely have experienced a lot of that. And I was thinking about it today with this Nets Bucks game. So I, I appreciate you mentioning that. No, is this for... your first year actually covering games in person? Uh, so here's the fun story. Uh, oh, last year at the beginning of the season, uh, so I, this was when I was a senior in high school. I was 17 when the season started. So I started going to the games. Baby. I was going to all the games. You know, it was fun. I was really enjoying it. And then the Sixers find out that there's a rule that all media has to be at least 18 years old. Oh, my God. And they were like, worth, well. and, they, and like, just to be clear, this is like a league thing and has nothing to do with the Sixers who. who right. No, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. I, well, I don't know if you I don't know how much you know about. uh about Sham Sharania back because back like he he started doing this really really yeah. young, and he was like when when he was like he because he he's based in the Chicago area which is where I used to live for four years I used to cover the Bulls and back when he was still like in high school and college the Bulls wouldn't let him cover games because he was still in school so he would like go to Bucks games instead because wait Bucks, I guess, how did he get more. like into that when he was so young I feel like you you whole. have you have insight but we don't even have to see for well, me. Did, I mean, have, there have been like stories written about him and okay. how he kind of how he kind of did that. I we, we I don't know if I'm necessarily. I, I know him a little bit. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily the person to. Yeah. Speak yeah. To. So I uh, so I basically get a call from my boss being like, "Hey, we just found out uh, you have to be 18 to go to games." And I turned 18 <laughs> at the end of March, which was a, a couple weeks too late to turn 18. To go to show up to NBA games, no games to go yeah. to. So then there was like there was like a three day period where I thought I might be going to the bubble. That obviously did not end up happening. Um, I don't think whatever. Uh, I don't think it, what you cite you right for was going to be. Paid. Yeah, I don't know if you know how much money. Yeah, well that's why that's why I didn't end up going. <laughs> Literally fifty thousand fifty thousand dollars to go to the. Yeah, bubble. I heard. Yeah, I heard Seriously? even bigger numbers, which is yeah. Well, well, but if you think of it, no, I I was told it was like fifty five because I I made it known to my editors at BR that I would go. I think right. they ended up not. I think Taylor Rooks is the only person they sent, and obviously great job she's more like doing video stuff i guess they didn't even end up sending any writers but i did make it known to my editors that i would have gone if they wanted me to but that fifty thousand dollars seems like an insane amount of money when you just see that number on the page but if you really think about it you're there for 90 days or whatever 
you're getting a room at a nice Disney resort hotel. You're getting three meals a day. You're getting daily COVID tests. It's really not, and that comes up to like 500 bucks a day or something. It's really not that much when you think about it. It's just that because you're there for so long, it adds up. Exactly. Adam, you should have just like gone the league to find JJ Reddick $50,000. And then just take that money, take the money from the JJ Reddick fine and, and parlay that to it. That would have been a win-win for uh, for me. A big, that's a big chunk of his, pot, his podcast. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Oh yeah. my God, Adam's grinning. See, for me, I find that the love and passion I have for the Grizzlies in a fan sense, I see I see it start to diminish in a different way as I get older and become the same age as these people. I don't see it as like a professional thing for me yet. Right. It's just well, a little weird. Well, but you also literally like started or like like the first well the first time i had heard of you was when you had the grizzlies fan account that you started like that, that's a little bit of a different thing than like like exactly Adam and i didn't come up like running a grizzlies fan account that had a bunch of followers where the whole point of it was i'm a grizzlies fan and this is my like and not that there's anything wrong with that that's just not <laughs> no not exactly me. it's weird because like i still run this account but i enjoy tweeting so much more on my personal account because I don't want to be all fan all the time, honestly, but right, right. it's like now I feel like I have, and I love it. Like it's something that would be so hard to say goodbye to, but sometimes it's a little bit not what I want to do. If you were to get a job either covering or working for or whatever, a different team, would you be able to give that account up or would you have to like, or would you like keep running it anonymously and hope that not enough people know that it's actually you doing it, even though it's pretty well known out there that it's you? You know, I see myself not covering a specific team. I kind of see myself doing more something like you do where uh-huh. you do cover them because it makes sense location wise, but I see myself doing more like NBA content. I mean, that's, uh-huh. that's obviously a tough field, but I have that head start. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't see myself like going and covering an NBA team. I don't know. I feel like I, well. I can't be, I can't be so um, impartial about things. Right. Well, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I've, I've kind of, I've done it both ways. Cause back, you know, back when I lived in Chicago, I used to actually be on the bulls beat and like traveling and doing, you know, covering that team day to day. And so there's something to be said. I actually do kind of enjoy the routine of like, this is the team I'm covering. I'm going to their practice. I'm going to their shoot around. I have to be on top of their own, you know, everything that happens with them. If there's like Denzel Valentine has an ankle injury. I have to like write a story about that, even though like it's a pretty minor insignificant thing. I kind of did, did enjoy that, but I also like now just kind of having the freedom to not really having to care that much what happens in each game that I go to in a normal, like in non, again, the COVID thing has just totally blown up everything about what we do. Cause a lot of what I do or a lot of what I did was, I would go to every Blazers home game, even if it was a team that I wasn't that interested in seeing or like I didn't have anything I was going to write because there's always a lot, because a lot of what I do is based on, you know, knowing people and getting connections. And so there's always an assistant coach on the visiting team that you can talk to in the hallway or whatever, or a visiting right. player or something, or there's like something big that like, I like there, like if I had a story where like, like I wrote a story last summer about like the 2010 uh, team USA uh, yeah, the, the the 2010 FIBA World Cup team, and that was something I worked on for like multiple months, and that was a situation where like 
the Rockets came into town and I had no reason to be there, but Eric Gordon is on that team and he was on the 2010 team. So I could just go to the game and I could just go get Eric Gordon for that and just kind of be able to chip away at longer stuff like that. So it's a little bit, you have a little bit more freedom to not be so tied to what happens in each individual game. I've gone to, I would say probably like a third of the Blazers games. I don't, there's not really much point in going when you, there's no in-person access. I basically will go when the visiting team is a team I'm interested in seeing. Like I went to those two Memphis games. I'm going to see the Lakers this year. You're interested Friday. in the Grizzlies? I'm so honored. Hell yeah, I'm interested in the Grizzlies. I, I wanted to see Ja in person. That was also like right when Jaron Jackson came right. back. So that was that was and, and plus, you know, they're they're like right in the mix of the of that play right. like seven, seven, eight, nine. Like they're in that range. So that's a team I was interested in seeing. I know. I feel like there's like 10 teams in that mix. Okay. I do want to ask you about the quote that you tweeted that got, because I know you <laughs> want to correct the response to that. Uh, I'll read the quote. You said, it was a quote from Dame. He said, we're not the Brooklyn Nets. They have superstar power. You know, the ability of that team. One day they can get hot and run you out the gym. We're not that team, but we've been in a ditch and we're figuring out a way to get out of it. So that instantly you got, thousands uh, not thousands whatever quote tweets on that and what how do you think people misinterpreted that well the question that dame was asked which i thought should have been obvious i thought the context should have been obvious and obviously you know with twitter there's only a certain number of characters that you have to work with something like that Mm -hmm. he was asked because this this was the fifth game in a row that they had lost he was asked if he thought they could just flip a switch and turn it around and he said no we're not the uh, and i mean you understand the point he was trying to make like i am as we're recording this we're watching there's this nets bucks game i'm i have it on in the background i'm just looking up at the tv right now the bucks are losing i mean the nets are up 80 i mean the the bucks are up now (laughs) but the nets are like right with them it's a one it's like a game going back and forth and wait how much time is left y'all are both watching it i'm not (laughs) it's like there's like a minute left in the third quarter oh okay Uh, fair but uh, my point is, with that team, those three have like barely played together all year. Tonight, uh, Harden is still out. Kyrie and KD are playing. And I heard them say on the broadcast earlier, this is like the 14th game this season that both of those two guys played together. I think all three of them have been together like five or six games or something like that. And they're still doing well. They're still winning. And I think Dame's point was, when you have three guys that are that dominant, it doesn't really matter, you know, how much time you've played together, what your chemistry situation is, because those three can just, whenever they feel like it, they can just run a team out of the gym and the Blazers are not a team that's like that. And of course I tweet this quote out and it gets all this response like, Oh, Dame is just throwing his teammates under the bus. Dame is doing it. Just you, you, I mean, you guys know how Twitter is like any, any quote that anybody has, it's, even semi-controversial they're just so happy to just like take it and make it into a thing that it's not have you ever like had a quote that you didn't tweet in fear of that reaction or a quote that you ended up deleting because it was being so misunderstood Nah, i don't delete stuff or at yeah. least not 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 in that sense i i do you know a couple months ago i did like go back and wipe out like every tweet older than a certain amount of time not that i ever even had anything bad but you know i just figure at a certain point nobody needs to be able to see tweets from 10 years ago or whatever right but i don't know if it's just a quote that i tweeted i i think about doing this like professionally for as long as i have you're always very careful about 
making sure you have the right context for the quote and not just tweeting stuff out of context just to make it blow up. You never really know what is going to, I mean, there, there are some things where you can kind of tell, like I was at this game uh, earlier this season between the Blazers and the Hawks. It was a game where Lomelo Ball and Carmelo Anthony both went off. Like they both had 30 points or something. And after the game, they did the jersey swap. And so we were asking <laughs> Carmelo about it and about how, about if he's okay with people calling LaMelo yes. Ball Mello and people, and if he's okay with LaMelo Ball doing the three to the dome celebration. Mello, his quote was like, yeah, I think it's cool. Like I'm, I'm cool with it. And I tweeted that and it just like blows up. But there, there's always like, there's always something like that. You just kind of, you know, I, I, I don't you were really, the like, You I, were the one who tweeted that quote. I remember that. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, clarity. Honestly, now, <laughs> now the only reason that I, the only reason that I really like tweet quotes, because I mean, again, I'm not a beat writer, so I don't really, I'm not like writing or using these quotes or anything. So it's not like I have, I basically, at this point, I kind of look at, is this going to get put on a clutch points graphic so <laughs> I can get the hat tip? That's all, that's, yeah. that's kind of what I'm in it for at this point. That's Anyone who's in it that's for any reason other than being noticed by clutch points has the wrong incentive. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I tweet, I tweeted, uh, and they, they did an incredible graphic of, uh, of that mellow, Lamello one. I forget what it was, but they have it. I, I tweeted one, like right when Yusuf Nurkic was going to come back uh, from his, from his thumb injury. Ennis Cantor said that, Nurkic coming back was like Thanos's last stone and it was and I don't know anything oh. about like the Marvel stuff but he said that quote and I was like <laughs> oh I'm sure Clutch Point is going to have a fire graphic with this I want to get the hat tip on it and so I tweeted the quote they never made a graphic out uh. of that you should have like sent an anonymous tip y'all I don't I don't <laughs> my I've been, I've favorite my favorite clutch points graphic ever was the Daniel House bubble one do y'all remember that <laughs> yes oh, oh of course I remember the bubble one there's there's, I mean, there, there's so many. I think like probably half of the photo album on my phone is just screenshots of, of <laughs> Clutch Points graphics at this point. Literally. We need to have like a specific episode where we do like a Hall of Fame. Okay, but I want to hear, even though I know now that you don't specifically cover the Blazers, you do more general, but... Sure. What is your, what do you see these last few weeks of the season are about to go down? What do you see being the scenario for the play-ins and that kind of stuff? Like, who do you see getting the seventh and eighth? Well, here's the scenario that, I mean, I can tell you what I want as a fan of, of, of the league, what I think would be the most entertaining. Yeah, let's hear that. I would kind of like to see the Lakers fall down. Oh, yes. Oh, that would be wonderful. Oh, I didn't even, and I then, haven't been like knowing that's even a thing. Look at the stand. They're only, literally they're look at the only a game ahead of Portland for the, for the six. You're joking. No. Yeah. Y'all, yeah, I avoid LeBron the standings because the Grizzlies have been annoying me, so I don't look at it. <laughs> the, I mean, and I, not only that, but the Warriors are only like a game behind Memphis for eight, right? Yeah, half a game. So we could end up in a situation where you have for the seven, eight matchup, you yeah. have LeBron versus Steph. Oh, and, oh then my God. The loser, and then the loser of that game plays Memphis. <laughs> We're and then Memphis, Memphis or San Antonio, whatever the case may be for the other one. And then if you're whether, you know, whichever one of like, Phoenix, Utah, Clippers, whichever one of those two teams ends up in the se- in the two seed, 
suddenly they're looking up and they have to play a healthy Lakers team in the, in the first round. <laughs> yeah. Like that's actually that's, hilarious. That would be, the, and also it would just be so funny if the Lakers won the title coming out of the seventh seed, oh coming out of God. the play-in. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, in my standings watching over the last few weeks, have been like secretly trying to figure out how the Lakers can fall into the play-in, <laughs> and it seems like there's a like there's a it's, very it's, it's in place. Legit, Portland it's, and Dallas yeah. are both doing bad yeah. lately. Those are the two teams that would need to pass the Lakers yeah. and. The Lakers' schedule, I mean, they're playing Toronto today. That's a game they should win. But then they've got the Clippers next and the Nuggets. Yeah. And, and, then, then, Por- and then they're, they're in Portland and then, on and Friday. And then they play so, Phoenix. Yeah. Like, they don't have an easy schedule. Like, they, yeah. they them falling into the play. And LeBron, I thought, looked pretty good the other night against Sacramento. But they're still going to take a little bit of time to yeah. get that all figured out at, like, yeah, but, and so I think that's the that's the scenario that I really want to happen, just from a pure entertainment. Yes, standpoint. yes, yeah, I'm it, so on board with this. Putting, Twitter would literally be iconic. Yeah, putting putting LeBron in a like you have to win now, like like do or die in the first round of the versus playoffs. Steph versus, versus the yeah, Warriors, right? And like obviously, like the flashbacks to the past final series, that would be like. That would be like the dream of these networks, yeah. like ha- having that game. You know, honestly, the league would the league would love that as long as the Lakers win. Exactly, right. exactly. They'll have <laughs> to like that's that's the thing. I mean, legendary uh, old like decades old David Stern quote, R.I.P. But uh, somebody <laughs> asked him. This is like years decades Lakers ago. Somebody Lakers. asked him. Yeah, somebody asked him what his dream finals would be, and he said Lakers. No versus way. Lakers, so yeah, yeah. That's it, you know, I rarely genuinely complain about the refs, like in a way that it's so obvious that they are fixing games. But it's the, really just that, that 2002, uh, I mean, you were probably like, like four years old when this happened. <laughs> I was but, two. Okay. God, I'm old. The, 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 <laughs> the, two, the 2002 Western conference finals between the Lakers and uh, Sacramento. That's the only time where you can really, yeah, look that's, at it that's what I've always said as well. I was, I was either not alive or just a few months old, uh, but you weren't born yet, I, but it's on YouTube. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so I can, and that was the one where like it's been proven that like Tim Donaghy was yeah, in that. Yeah, are you like, serious? Y'all are teaching me a lot today. Do you know? Do you know who Tim Donaghy is? No. Okay, so he was this referee in about two thousand and I want to say this was like two thousand seven or two thousand and eight. Uh, he was he was a longtime referee in about two thousand seven or two thousand eight. There was like proof that he was actually like fixing games and betting on them, and it was like it was this huge scandal. Wow. I love seeing What's, Molly's what, what is the punishment? to learning about Tim Donnie. <laughs> well, Wait, he actually is... went to he went to jail for a little bit, and obviously he was banned from ever being a ref again. But this is actually a funny story. Like growing up in uh in Portland, I mean I, I was kind of I was in elementary school during the jailblazers years, which is another thing that you guys might huh. be a little bit too young to know about. But one of the big controversies at the time was back when this is back when Rashid Wallace was on the Blazers. And after a game once he went out and like confronted a referee on the loading docks and was like it was like threatening them it turns out that referee was tim donaghy so like he may have had a point yeah. no no a story i found out about recently was the gilbert arenas thing that's one Wait, of the, the craziest yes oh, I like, oh my god i can't believe you didn't know. know that that's that is i was i was in college when that happened and that was like <laughs> imagine if twitter was like how it is now and that happened oh my i mean that's that's one of the all-time yeah I mean, Twitter was a thing then, but it was not nearly as big as it is now. Yeah, we um, need it. We need it. Like we got the the whole uh, what was it? The Clippers Rockets locker room situation. 
We need or or the DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, or the DeAndre game. Jordan. Right. Well, the all-time one. Yes. And you guys were probably <laughs> again. You guys were probably way too young to be like knowing about this when it happened. It was when Twitter happened. I mean, Twitter was a thing when this happened. Right after the lockout. First of all, the first of all, like lockout Twitter was actually kind of cool. Like it, 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 the lockout sucked, but like lockout Twitter was actually kind of fun. It would be a, it would be unusable now because Twitter is just so. You know, I low key feel like I could have been on Twitter at the time. 2010, 11. Yeah. I was probably like got a Twitter like the next year, but continue. Okay. Well, so right after the lockout ends, Chris Paul gets traded from New Orleans to the. Oh, Lakers. this is the all timer. Oh yes, then, yes, yes. And then, like, an hour later, the trade gets vetoed because the league office, the league actually was owning the Hornets at the time, technically, because their old owner, George Shin, had, like, filed for bankruptcy. And so the league take, took over control of the team. So David Stern was actually acting as the owner of the team. Yeah. And so the Lakers and the Hornets agreed to this trade for Chris Paul. And basically a bunch of small market owners, like, I mean, the famous one was Dan Gilbert, obviously just complained about the Lakers being able to get Chris Paul. And so if the trade got walked back and it got vetoed and then he ended up getting traded to the Clippers. But the day that like, at first it was looking like Chris Paul was getting traded to the Lakers and then it got vetoed. I still, to this day, whenever I'm at summer league, which, you know, I really hope that comes back this year. I don't know if it will, but whenever I'm at summer league, there's always a couple of Lakers fans who wear Lakers jerseys that have a number three on the back, but the, the name says Stern cheated because mm-hmm. they really thought they were going to get Chris That's Paul. Funny. Like, that was a legendary thing. Yeah, Isn't I, it weird to think about like what the league would be like if that hadn't been vetoed? I love thinking about stuff like well, that. Well, that and I think at the time, the thought was that Dwight Howard was going to get traded there at the same time because the trade, I believe, was Gasol and Odom. Yeah. And then like some wow. other stuff. But Andrew Bynum was not in the trade. And so the thought was they're going to get Chris Paul and then they're going to trade Andrew Bynum for Dwight Howard. And then their big three is going to be Kobe, CP, and Dwight. And this is back when Dwight was still. Right. You know, Superman. <laughs> yeah. So, th- so that, that was kind of crazy for like, and I actually remember I was recording a podcast at the time. This is, uh, there's no way any of this stuff is still online, but I was in the middle of recording a podcast talking about like how Chris Paul was going to fit on the Lakers and what it meant, all that stuff. And during the recording, the Woj tweet comes out that the trade was dead. So that was probably wild. Wow. The NBA is not as fun as it used to be. Yeah. Believe it or not. I was, I actually remember where I was when the Chris Paul trade got vetoed. I remember Uh I was eating pizza with my dad at some pizza place near us. And there was a little TV in the corner and I was good. And like, I I've always loved Chris Paul like my entire life. I've loved Chris Paul. Uh Um, So yeah, I was, and I hated the Lakers. So I was happy. Uh, Well, to me, the most fun the NBA ever was, was, the four years that LeBron was in Miami. Yeah, so that uh, right, yeah. so that's before our time in Twitter. Though not Yeah, but we were fans at the time. Right. Right, but that was the last time there was like an actual villain. Yeah. I don't even think the Warriors really when they got Durant, I don't even think that really rose to the same Yeah, I don't either. level because the Warriors with Durant were so just from the beginning they were so dominant. Right. And it was just from day one, it was just like, there was, there was never any time where it was like, I don't know, is this going to work? That it was not even like that fun to root against them. Whereas with Miami, they started their first season uh, 
like nine and eight or something. And they kind of struggled early on. And there was some talk that like LeBron and Wade were going to try to get Spolster yeah. fired. And like there was, there was all of this kind of, you know, but it was kind of a bumpy start. And so it wasn't like they were just dominant from day one. And plus everybody just hated LeBron so much for doing the TV special and whatever. <laughs> like it was, it was a whole, like it was a whole thing. Like it, it and the other thing was like at the time, what LeBron and Bosch and Wade did of like the three guys all deciding to go to the same team and just team up and, and do that. That wasn't just what everybody does now. And obviously LeBron kind of kicked that off and now everybody does it. Now you see all these guys changing teams every two years and you see like what Kyrie and Durant did going to Brooklyn and then that, you know, they get hard to come and then like Kawhi does what, like, that's like the com that's like the commonplace thing to do now. And mm-hmm. at the time it was still just like, what is this? Like, like LeBron just totally shifted the paradigm. And so it was this thing that people didn't really know how to process it yet. Right. Cause like the concept of someone not being loyal to their team was just used to be now it's, it's almost expected. Like when Giannis, when it was free agency, it was almost expected like, Oh, he's out of there, you know, but there would be a time where it would be seen as like this betrayal. Um, Oh, it depends on who it, who it is and where. I mean, I feel like Kevin Durant still got a whole lot of flack when he left Oklahoma City to go. I was I was giving him some flack for that. Yeah, so. that was that well, was look, a, everybody. That was everybody rough. has takes in their past with it. I'm very glad that nothing I wrote around the time of the decision is anywhere close to being <laughs> still online because I was probably not. I probably had some not great takes. Uh, yeah. About about that whole thing, and it was actually funny when I was writing that story that I mentioned earlier about the 2010 USA team. That was the summer of 2010, which was the same summer that LeBron went to Miami. And that was the team like Durant was on that team. And that was like, right when he was just starting to break out, I think he had been in the league three years at that point. And that's when he was still like the most beloved guy in the league. And he was, he was Mm -hmm. kind of the guy coming up where everybody were like, every pundit was just like, Oh, this is Durant is the guy that does it the right way. He's loyal to Oklahoma city, unlike LeBron. And I went back and I was looking up like old columns from, and like everybody was writing though. LeBron took the easy way out. LeBron's a coward. Like even like, like J.A. Adonde, who's a friend of mine and is obviously one of like the most, you know, thoughtful and, uh, you know, smart people covering the NBA in my lifetime and is not a hot take artist at all. He wrote the LeBron took the easy way out column. Like every, everybody was doing yeah. it at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of wild to look back on. Yeah. I actually have two distinct memories of that team. Both of them were not great for them. So one of uh, one year, so I don't know if you'll remember this, but Michael Carter Williams. Oh, I remember is, this well. And I'll tell you why. Yeah. <laughs> like I used to be in this league. I don't play fantasy anymore. I haven't played fantasy in years, but I used to be in this league that was called whack fantasy where it was like the opposite of actual fantasy where like you get points for turnovers, fouls and I'm in a league you know, like this this year. Oh yeah. really? And so and one and, and so I my first round pick that year in this league was Michael Carter Williams going into his rookie year because I was just like okay, the Sixers are going to be terrible. They're trying to lose. He's going to he can't shoot. He's going to turn the ball over a ton. And then that first game against the Heat, he got, like almost got a quadruple double. I had to drop him. Yeah, so he uh, he had like what I have to imagine is the best NBA debut ever, unless I'm just forgetting something obvious. He had like 25, 11, 9, and 6 steals or something crazy. Uh, they were playing the big three Heat. Uh, D-Wade did not play in that game, but they had LeBron, they had Bosh, and the Sixers opened the game right. on a 21-2 to run. 
And then the that entire- happened literally that same score this year. We played them and yeah. we opened it up on that run, but they won. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the entire game was just Miami inching back, and like Ray Allen was hitting, like Ray Allen hit a half court shot in that game. And then right at the end, it was Michael Carter Williams and Thad Young and Evan Turner and Spencer Hawes and all the other uh, mediocre Sixers that I hate so much. <laughs> Uh, that, uh, Spencer Hawes, another one-time almost quadruple-double happen. Yes, yeah. Spencer Hawes, not my favorite player. Uh, I will just say that. Um, I mean, there's 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 a lot of kind yeah. of things going on with that, yeah with him. Yeah, and my other memory is uh, that team actually played the Sixers in the first round of the playoffs one year, like the one seed versus the eight seed. Uh, and Lou Williams hit a game winner over D Wade. I don't know if you recall that. Uh, this was the first Miami year. I believe it was the first. It might have been the second, but uh, no, the second because no, the second year was the year they played the Bulls in the first right, round. Derrick yeah. Rose tore his ACL. Ah, right. Uh, yeah, this would have been. Wait, well, Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose tore his ACL against the Sixers. Yeah, in the first round, so it wasn't year. Oh, two. right. Year yeah. two of Miami. Yeah. Year two of the Heat was. Year three was no. It would it would have been year one. Right. Yeah. Year one, they. I think they were down three zero, and. Uh, it was a cool atmosphere because any Philly playoff game in any sport is going to be a nice atmosphere, even though they knew the I Sixers would say had nice. no chance. <laughs> I well, would say just very terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. But yeah, That's those so those big three teams were fun. Uh, I love the. I always love the white hot jerseys. Uh, I always love Norris the Cole heat ones. Yeah. The Heat used to do some really cool stuff with their jerseys. The white hot ones, they had, like. Are you talking about like the monochrome, yeah. like the ones that are, yeah. like the, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. they're white and then the lettering is also yeah. white. The all black versions of that too was yeah. was awesome. Like they they used to do some really cool stuff with jerseys back then. Wait, I'm looking that up. That sounds really cool. Yeah, all my it's like the normal heat jerseys, but the, the jerseys are white and the lettering is white with black outlines. They had a white, an all white version. They had an all black version. Yeah. Oh, I remember this jersey. I I literally they, watched. They, there was the all black one that people called the Darth Vader jerseys, and then their right. Christmas jerseys that year were an all red version of the same thing. And yeah, those were just we've got we've had some fun Christmas jerseys the last several years and also some ones that are more ones fun that didn't have sleeves i'm okay with. yeah yeah the yeah the ones that the sleeve jerseys i do era? yeah they were basically just t-shirts it was like it was like Awful. a rec league i think it's a stain on lebron's legacy that, <laughs> that iconic moment of winning the championship with cleveland is in, in sleeves 2016 yeah. wow. he is in like the most trash jerseys that yeah. they've ever had in his yeah. entire career like i think that taints that championship yeah, I mean, really, is he even a winner? I think we have to ask no, that. Yeah. You got to take that away. MJ won six in jerseys. <laughs> this is true. In good jerseys. Yeah. That's his legacy, the bad jerseys. Yeah. I love, I love NBA jerseys. I mean, I just think I'm biased, but I think the Grizzlies jerseys are some of the best, like, ever. The stacks ones they have this year are so good. Yeah. So good. Well, and, I mean, it's just those Vancouver ones are just, like, so beautiful. I like the red ones they had a number of years ago, the Memphis Sound. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Memphis Sounds jerseys. Those were really cool, too. I don't know. I kind of don't pay attention to others. Yeah, I mean, I saw the WNBA jerseys this season are, like, beautiful. I kind they of look like them. actual professional jerseys I know. Now. Like, <laughs> it's the, old, the old WNBA ones are just, like, they're, they're terrible. They look like rec league jerseys. But, like, they just yeah. have, like, they have, like, ads, like, over the entire thing. And they all have the same font. It's I just, know. Like, I've seen that, and I'm just, like... Terrible. It's insulting, but... I guess we just pretty much spent this whole podcast reminiscing, which love is that. honestly beautiful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love, love some good basketball nostalgia. Uh, I will I just know. try to ignore the Andrew Bynum 
name drop, which obviously does not totally bring up fond memories for me. Uh, that was some, those were some good hairstyles he had oof. going on there. The, uh, the one where it was half of his hair was an afro and the other half was dreadlocks <laughs> is in all, Molly, you have to look up this picture right now of, of Andrew Bynum with like half of his head has an afro. The other half is dreadlocks. It's one of the craziest things ever. Um, Do you remember when Andrew, one of the two, one of the first two Cavs Warriors finals, Andrew Bynum just randomly showed up at one yes. of the games, just at the game, just like drinking a Coors Light yeah. or something. In the yeah, I do remember that. Bynum actually Bynum played, is like, he like had a very short-lived run after the whole Sixers fiasco. Uh, with the Pacers, yeah. Yeah, and I was at a game where they played the Pacers and it was like Bynum's first game sin- like in total and it was in Philly. And so I covered the Eastern finals because I lived in Chicago at the time. Yeah. Chicago is pretty close to Indy. So when the Pacers and the Heat played in the Eastern finals, this was the last LeBron year there. Uh, I went to Indy to cover those games and a very prominent, this was the year that Bynum was on the Pacers. I think he was like not playing by then, but they were, uh, they were still selling Bynum, jersey shirts at the Pacers official team store at the arena and a very very well-known NBA media person that I won't name on the podcast bought one for his son just to mess with him huh, love that and Andrew Bynum Pacers shirts I, I actually like a few months ago I started buying like ironic NBA jerseys like this morning okay. this morning I was wearing a Pelicans buddy heels jersey yeah, you just oh, wow. I just go on NBA.com and like the cheapest ones. Like I I was wearing my son's Eric Bledsoe jersey yesterday. Uh, they have some some really nice ones. I have my favorite one is my Cavaliers Isaiah Thomas jersey. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Adam, I love that. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Have you ever been to Summer League? I have not. I've, I'm dying have. to go to Summer League. I went last uh, last time they had yeah. it. I, I, went. I was like starting to talk myself into like, you know what? No matter what happens, I am going to be in Vegas in July next year. And then uh, the one thing I didn't anticipate happening was a pandemic. So, so it didn't. <laughs> You got to go to summer league. And then like, if you, if you want to see like ironic jerseys, yeah. and I actually did a story on this the last time that they had summer league and they interviewed a bunch of people just out on the concourse who were wearing like obscure jerseys. Uh, that is the place to go. If you want to bust out like your, your, your crazy, like Jersey shirts like that, that's, that's like the exact place to go. You, 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 but you should go anyway. Like if you're, you know, trying to be in the media, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, aspiring to do this summer league is just a good place to go anyway just for networking because i mean the basketball itself is is terrible like it's not even worth watching it but every agent every scout every gm every coach they're all just like there you can just go up to people and talk to them uh it's so it's such a weird place i remember just like walk like brushing shoulders with like chandler parsons who was like the most hated person in memphis at the time and like I was in line for an Uber next to Kyle Anderson who plays for the Grizzlies. So like, it was just so surreal and like not surreal because it's not like you're starstruck cause they're, you know, they're people right. and they're just everywhere watching the game. But it's so funny, like, you know, waiting in line next to, this would be a hilarious Jersey next to Andrew Harrison um, huh. for food. But yeah, it's summer well, the league all time, the all time craziest summer league, at least that I went to, I've gone every year since 2012, 20, 2012 was my first one because that was that was Dame's rookie year. So that was that was the first time I went. 2014. If you'll remember that offseason, 
because like the summer league started on like July 10th or something that year. And so free agency had been going on for 10 days. Is this when LeBron held everything up? Yes. I think like two guys signed that entire first 10 days around the entire league because everybody was just waiting to see what LeBron was going to do. And so the morning of the first, I because I remember I flew in on the night of the 10th and I, I never buy the Wi-Fi on planes, but I had to like, I obviously I bought the Wi-Fi cause like I didn't want LeBron to sign. And also like I was covering the bulls at the time still. And this was when Carmelo was also a free agent. And there was like a good possibility that Melo would have ended up going to Chicago. He ended up staying with the Knicks, but like, so that was something I had to keep an eye on. I get to Vegas, still nothing has happened. I wake up the next morning and the next morning is uh, the, you know, the first game of summer league. I wake up in the morning and LeBron drops the Lee Jenkins SI, like I'm coming home letter. And, and not only that, but what is the first game of summer league is the Cleveland Cavaliers with the number one overall pick Andrew Wiggins versus the Milwaukee Bucks with number two overall pick Jabari Parker. So this is like, the most like anticipated matchup of rookies at summer league Wiggins versus Parker. This is like the most high, like hype draft class of the last five years or something. And not only this and Molly, you'll know about this because you've been to summer league, but you know how they have the Thomas and Mack center, which is like the big arena that like the Lakers always play in. And then yeah. they have the Cox yes. pavilion, which is the, basically a high school gym. That's so funny. Reason, the Grizzlies were chilling in that arena. <laughs> right, right, right. No, of course. Like they'll always like whenever, like, like Zion's first game. Yeah. I the watched big the earthquake. Do were you there for that? I was not in the arena, but I was there. There was the earthquake during Zion's first summer league yeah. game. That was kind of iconic. That's a yeah, it was it was it was crazy. But uh, but so for some reason, the league decided to put the Wiggins Parker debut game in Cox in the small gym. So the entire NBA That's was so crazy crammed into basically a high school gym while. You know, an hour earlier, LeBron had just like turned the entire league upside down by announcing he was going back to Cleveland. So that was all anybody was talking about. You've got the number one overall pick and the number two overall pick playing against each other at Summer League. Nobody's even like paying attention to it or talking about it because all anybody's talking about is what LeBron did. And then we do media after the game. You know, we have to, you know, go up and interview guys instead of asking David Blatt, who was the coach at the time about you know his first time coaching Andrew Wiggins what he thinks about that mm-hmm. they have to ask him hey so uh, you're going to coach LeBron now what do That's you think so about crazy. that and then you know you ask Andrew Wiggins instead of hey how did you feel about your summer league debut how did you feel playing against NBA competition for the first time instead you're asking him hey so your name wasn't mentioned in the letter what how do you feel about these rumors <laughs> that you might get traded for Kevin Love and then the other part of it is that since nobody had signed the first uh, 10 days of free agency because everyone was waiting to see what LeBron was going to do. Once the LeBron domino fell, everybody, like, I think there were like 50 more deals that were signed within like the next two hours. And you're in Vegas, you're in this gym where every GM and agent and scout in the entire league is there. And you're seeing all this stuff go down in real time. And like, it was just insane. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I've told Molly many times how badly I want to go to summer league. My version of that on the East Coast has been going to the draft every year. Uh, I've been, obviously, except for the one that just happened, I was clearly not right. But uh, my first draft was the Anthony Davis draft. uh, And everyone since then, that has been an an event in person I've gone to. Uh, So not as cool as Summer League, but there are some cool things you see. Like just by walking around, you'll bump into players. I remember 
I like bumped into Isaiah Austin and his family right after the NBA, like honored him by making him an honorary pick, which was like one of the loudest yeah. pops I've ever heard for a I draft. Pick. That. Um, yeah. The draft is the one NBA event that I have never done. And I really don't have any interest in doing because it seems like the media access is just not very good. Yeah. So I've never gone as media. I've only, I've only done it as a fan. So that's all I can speak to. Um, right. I'm sure going as a fan is fine, but as, as media, that's the one that I have no desire yeah. to go to. You know, what's, you know, what's good. And I hope they have opened this up to the public or at some point, or at least up to media at some point, once COVID is over is the draft combine yeah. in Chicago. That's kind of a similar thing to summer league in the sense that like every team sends their GMs and yeah. all the scouts there yeah. to look at these draft guys. And so you can just like mill around and talk to like, important people and it's you know it's in chicago they do it in the gym that michael jordan's trainer owns right yeah that is and so like that that's a that's a cool thing especially now that they have the lottery there they kind of fold that all into the same week i went to that the last time that there wasn't a pandemic right yeah and i used to, i mean i used to go all the time back when i lived there but uh that that's a, that's a good one to do the one that i want to do that i haven't done is that and hopefully they open this up to the public at some point again once the pandemic is over but the g league showcase which i believe they now do in vegas that's another one where like for someone like me every like the entire league like front offices and scouts and agents and stuff is all there so that's like that's one i would like yeah that's like totally my dream is to just be dropped in a room of a bunch of nba front office people and just start figuring out who is who uh, yeah that whole yeah, thing fascinates me talk to people that's i mean that's how a lot of these people who are connected you know, these news breakers and these sources guys that's how a lot of them yeah kind of got started is they just kind of had developed relationships with these people early on and then you know now it's suddenly you fast forward and it's like this this assistant coach from a g league team from like 20 years ago that Woj has known for like 20 years when he when you know this guy was nobody now this guy's a head coach or something right and now like you still kind of have that relationship where you get in with like the low level people at the big agencies and then eventually they start repping like bigger and bigger clients and if you've already got that relationship then you're exactly. going to be able to kind of yeah. still go in i don't really i mean I, I don't really have any interest in doing the sources like breaking news game that's just not really something i'm like yeah you know, it's just, it's just not something I. Really You'll just tweet that you got the email right. every time. Yeah, you got the email. I always, I always it's, like those. People like them. It's actually, it's funny because for me, it's kind of become. Are you guys? Uh, I don't even know if this is something that even resonates with your guys. Is like age group? Are you, are you guys Simpsons fans at all? Uh, no. I mean, I've seen it. <laughs> There's this Simpsons episode where Bart is uh, like walks accidentally walks onto the set of the Krusty the Clown show and like accidentally messes up the whole scene and then he says I didn't do it and that becomes like this viral thing and like he becomes super famous overnight as like the kid with the I didn't do it catchphrase and then he starts to hate his life because (laughs) everywhere he goes like he goes on Conan O'Brien's show and is like you know Conan I have some other thoughts about stuff I'm not really just a one and everybody's like just do the line just say I did like that's kind of what the I got the email thing has been for me I started doing it like a number of years I think this was like when the first year that LeBron was on the Lakers like he had because the first year he was on the Lakers he had the groin injury where he missed like two weeks and 
they announced that he was coming back. And of course, every single person started tweeting like the, the, the press release. And I was like, yeah, I got the email too. I just tweeted it one time as a joke and everybody liked it. So I just kind of started, mm-hmm. you know, I kept doing it. And then obviously now there are certain individuals who will actually try to pretend that they had a mm-hmm. scoop when it was just a press certain release. Certain mm-hmm. uh, individuals. I don't, I, I'm just, I, I'm not saying any, I don't yeah, know. Like, could have been a name it's that okay, was me and Adam will say it for you. Yeah, Molly, yeah, Molly, feel <laughs> but, free to, uh, to go ahead. No, die. they know. <laughs> Yeah, people, people, people know what the deal is there. But so that's kind of, that's kind of what a lot of that is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess it's become my thing. I don't know. I, I, sometimes I feel like, you know, Bart getting, I mean, like, just say the line, just say I didn't do it. (laughs) But wait, Adam, my version of that is like Jake Ryan from Hannah Montana when they're like, say the line, Jake. And he'd be like, dude, I slayed you once. Don't make me I, I'm not going to pick up. This is a reference that I'm, I'm not going to. Yeah, I am. I am not going to pick up on the Hannah Montana reference. Okay, well, I'm, way, I'm way too old for that. I don't somebody know listening is going to understand it. That's like pretty much what you're saying, okay. but in like a Gen Z, I guess sense. That's my. That's that's Miley Cyrus's thing, right? Yes. Yeah. There you go. Okay, so I know I know who Miley Cyrus is, but I was I was a little old for Hannah Montana when that was a thing. Yeah, I was. I was also not the biggest Hannah Montana person. That seems like a good I place think- to end. Yes, it's a great it's a great place to end, and also because there's over a minute left, and it's a three point game with the Nets and the Bucks. Ooh. So oh, wow. I didn't even notice. Let's that. do a sign off, Sean. It was so great talking to you. Uh, we didn't get to really cover current topics, but I think this the was topics more fun. We covered yeah. were way this more was fun. Way more yeah, fun. So. I mean, you never know where this stuff yeah. is going to go. Exactly. Plus, like if we had, if we had covered current stuff, it would have just been dated after like a couple. Days. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This stuff. Yeah, um, this stuff is good forever. It is, yeah. it is. And I learned some stuff, so that's awesome. Um, do not forget to, wait, Sean, give us your socials. My, all of my socials, Twitter, Instagram, just my last name, at Hiken. At Hiken, there you go. So follow us on Twitter at Burners and B-Ball. Email us, burnersandbasketball at gmail.com. And what is the last thing that I do? You say goodbye. Hashtag Burner Take. Don't forget to hashtag Burner Take on Twitter. Um, Adam, do the awkward sign-off for us. Insert awkward sign-off here. All right. Thanks, everyone.